my journey to UUism. Ha! I can remember it like it was yesterday. Didn't come from realizing that all people's inherent worth and dignity matter. It wasn't taught that thinking of love and compassion in all things came after your belief. No, in the religion of my youth, and you had to have an, a, a belief that believed what we believed. That Pentecostal and Baptist tradition and denomination can never accept sinners, let alone someone queer like myself. The care if you are, they didn't care if you were searching, you better hurry up because hell was hot. <laughs> and all the UUs were going to hell like me. <laughs> and if you didn't follow the scripture precisely to the letter, then you would be called a sinner and labeled as a sinner, and you would surely be doomed. In this process of male-only leadership that dis disregards the society and the journey, where we continually evolve together, I want you to come with me. Come on to journey, where we can be together. Destiny is here where water meets the spirit and the divine is waiting. Being black and queer and male made life interesting. <laughs> In my culture, there are specific expectations of a male embodied person, expectations that lean toward masculine tox uh, toxic masculinity, born out of a need to survive in the harsh and unaccepting world we must navigate. I can recall a time when I was six years of age, my bishop was preaching Baptist and Pentecostal denomination and made reference that I, at the time I was six, was acting like a sissy. That's the words that he used across the pulpit. In the heart of our human experiences, we carry stories that shape us, that mold us, that push us, right? Um, and stories that challenge our identities and our understandings of who we are and where we are to belong. For me, one such tale stands out vividly, etched in the memory of my six-year-old imagination, acting like a sissy. I'm trying to change my slides, my bad. Millions didn't make it, but I was 
one of the ones who did. Millions didn't make it, but I was one of the ones who did. Music became my way of praying when tears hindered my words, acting like a sissy across the pulpit. The lyrics of that song reminded me of the real resiliency we all carry within us, the strength to endure, the strength to rise above and to reclaim our sense of self even in the face of adversity. But that was the only the beginning. I soon learned the heaviness of hate and how damaging the church, a place of solitude, supposed to be of solitude and offer unity can be. My mother's experience mirrored my own. Her spirit was often lifted by fellow church members and like my god sister Cherry or Mother Miriam. However, her heart still ached witnessing her children being verbally attacked within those sacred walls by someone who was supposed to love God, by someone who was supposed to preach compassion, by someone who was supposed to preach love. But no one, no one spoke up for me. No one spoke up for me. In the intersection of my identity, black, queer, and male, I found strength and resilience and determination to rise above the wounds that I felt. My journey is not without its scars, because I have scars. But these scars bear witness to the battles that I fought. And yes, honey, I've won. The battles that we all face when our existence challenges us to challenge the status quo. So, many of you may know my journey. Many of you may know my story. Yeah, that's me. Tweety Bird, that's what they say. That I, I was the youngest out of everybody. Out of, those are three of my siblings, and I was the youngest. That's me in the yellow shirt. This is why I love yellow. Hey. But this is who I was. This is my makeup. This is my identity. This is who I am. And yet still. And now. Many of you know my story, and yes, that's me on a cruise to Jamaica. I poured it from Miami, La Passa, beyond Chica. Oh, I had a good time. <laughs> I had a moment to relax and enjoy the nature and the water that I would soon be connected with. Yes, the music was how I began to pray, but the water is where I experienced 
the divine. I can imagine the divine as water. Can you imagine the divine as water? Huh, all right. This is why I'm a millennial. Flow with me for a second. <laughs> imagine the divine to be water. If the divine is water, then the divine is the source of all life, nourishing and sustaining all living beings. Two, if the divine is water, then the divine is omnipresent. Water is everywhere on earth from the deepest ocean to the highest cloud. This could symbolize the omnipresence of the divine existing everywhere and in everything. Three, do you know that the divine is love? Huh. Yes, the divine is love, cleansing, a cleansing force. Water is often used as a force to purify and to cleanse. This could represent God as a purifying force, wa force washing away all of the negative energy and the negative uh, uh, feelings of individuals. The divine is adaptable for. Water takes on the shape of whatever container it is in. It can be solid, it can be liquid, or it can be gas. This could symbolize God's adaptability and flexibility being present and in many forms and in many aspects of life. Five, the divine is powerful. Water can be gentle and nurturing, but also water can be destructive. Like in a tsunami or in a flood or in a hurricane, this could represent the duality of our water and our divine. If in fact, if in fact water is to be considered the divine, then our trans family should say hello. Because guess what? The divine has no pronouns. Their pronouns is they, them, it. Can you imagine and can you touch with the divine? And so, this is what happens. I want to I wanna show you something. This is Article 2. This is Article 2 in our church and in our denomination. Interdependence, equity, transformation, pluralism, Generosity, justice, all streaming through love. This is where we are in our church, in our denomination. Okay, side by side. I'm with that. Thank you, Jude. 
But when I see it, this is what I see. I see more verbs. From the same aspect, but I see more verbs. And what I see is possibly what you may not see. Because I'm looking at this from my lens and my frame, but you're not necessarily looking at it from your lens and from your frame. In fact, what about others that may be colorblind? Now, y'all, colorblind. Do y'all know one out of 200 men are colorblind? One out of, I'm sorry, one out of 20 men are colorblind. One out of 200 women are not colorblind. Right, like that baffled me for a moment. One out of 20 men are colorblind. And out of women, one out of 200. Why are all the men making all the rules? <laughs> Back to the story. Fast forward to a few years. A few years on 2017. I know you're looking at this and you're saying, why is there a seatbelt extender? So on my way home, it's cold. It's December and I'm tired. The semester is coming to an end, but not necessarily coming to an end. I'm in seminary and I have final exams and papers that are pending and awaiting family that is in Florida. And as I've always done from Pittsburgh to Florida, I get on the plane in the cold December winter morning. And I asked the stewardess, can I have a seatbelt extender, please? Now y'all, I'm now y'all, she sat back, and y'all know I'm good and ghetto. And she looked at me and she said, I don't think you'd need one. Let me go back to this slideshow. I'm gonna go to this one, hang on. We'll, go, we'll get there. That's the one I'm trying to get to. The body, the body that I experience is not the body that the world sees. The body that I witness, that I am entrenched with the body that I'm in love with, the body that I imagine is not the body that they see. And so most people, most people have their aha moments in like, you know, intentional. Mine was on a musty Southwest jet, <laughs> on a plane. My aha moment was on a jet sitting in the wrong seat. Sitting in someone else's seat. I'll tell you about that later. <laughs> sitting in the wrong seat, G. 
My aha moment and my realization, my birth experience was there. Okay, now let me tell you about the seat. On my way in the middle of bawling, I sat down and I was crying. I was crying and I was coming to myself and an individual, he tapped me and he said, excuse me, sir. <laughs> and I said, yes. He said, um, you, this is C, D, and E. You possibly are needing to go to A, B, and C. And, and y'all, he was right. But I was connecting with the divine. I was connecting with the divine. As I was praying and tears were hindering my words, I was also crying at the same time. Someone once asked me, Darrell, what are you going to do with your ordination? Because I've been ordained Baptist and Pentecostal. And I told them, I said, well, y'all can have it. I can't be queer and use it. And you know, it's y'all. My, my comment to them was, I refuse to live under the stringent requirements of how ordination suggests that we should live. I will not live in fear or dishonesty to maintain ordination when I believe that love has called me to do this, this work, and regardless how any other group or any other person would suggest that I live, I refuse. To live other than being black. I refuse to live other than being queer. I refuse. Because y'all, I look good. Y'all, I do. I refuse to be other than me. Be you, honey. You are the best you. Do you know you thrive? Do you know you are equipped? playing on this phone. I'm talking to you. I love you. <laughs> do, you do you know you're amazing? Our children are amazing. We, as a community, we are amazing. Growing up divergent made things difficult, made things hard. Now, divergent is, is definition is tending to be different or develop in different directions. It made me wonder what others were experiencing and how they had to navigate hate and live in this world. Do I blame my parents? No. My parents did the best that they could with what they had. And let me say to you that our parents, you have done a phenomenal job. Let me say to you, even though things may look chaotic, where's my online family, right there? Even though things may be chaotic, 
even though things may be difficult, you are doing a phenomenal job as a parent, as a mother, as a father. You are doing a great job. But growing up divergent, y'all, it was hard. It was difficult. Do I blame the church? Not anymore. <laughs> Not anymore. Because he called me a sister, y'all, he did. Hearing the words, hearing the words <laughs> of sissy, I've heard no one spoke up for me. No one spoke up for me. Do yourself a favor. Speak up for those that are voiceless. Speak, clap, clap, clap. Speak up for those that don't have a voice. Speak up for those that don't necessarily have the words to give to the life that they want to live. No one spoke up for me. Across the pulpit and in church, church was quiet. My mother got up and my mother went to the back and she cried and <laughs> my, it was my god sister Cherry and mother Miriam that lifted her spirits. Thank God for community. This is why community matters. Y'all, I'm off script. I'm, I'm just, I'm off script. This is why community matters. At home, I heard my father's words. Tell that mother blank to call me a sissy. <laughs> Shout out to you, daddy. I know he's watching. My father, my father was the voice that I connected with. Make sure you protect your children. Make sure you protect those that are don't, again, don't have a voice. In the sentiment that injustice lives, but it will not go unchallenged. Silence will never prevail. May we, us, this community, be the voices that shatter the silence. Stand beside one another. Stand beside those who are black, those who are queer, those who are different than you. May we be the voices that shatter and that stand and proclaim the strength and compassion that we all deserve respect. We all deserve love. We all deserve the right to be ourselves. I love y'all. Bye, y'all.